Welcome to It's Called a Tasting. And it's classy. This is episode number three. Today is September 16th, 2022. Uh, it's been a while since we've done this. Uh, far too long. Four months. Um, I think we promised that we would do this no more or no less than every month. And now we're already dropping the ball. We're four months since the last one. Okay. You have to admit, though, we were really busy this summer. We have, we went on vacation. We have an exchange student now. So we had to prep the house. We remodeled the kids' bathroom. We had multiple birthdays and races. Just busy. Which one of those do you want to talk about? So we can talk about uh, the exchange student we got. We're hosting? Our, ho- yeah, we are hosting a, an exchange student. It's been a, f- a few years. We started the process back in 2019. I think so, 2019. And we attempted to get host an, an exchange student from Norway, but COVID hit. Things did not turn out the way we wanted them to. So we had to put a pause on it. And then we struggled to get it back into the Westerville school system for 2021-2022. And then we were successful with uh, petitioning to get a 2022-2023 exchange student. We have Marta now. She's from Spain. And I did not know that she had... There were islands in Spain. She's from Mallorca. And she is 15. No, she's 16. Mm-hmm. She's 16 and a junior in high school. She fits into the family well. Very chill. Very much like Allie. In fact, Allie actually referenced you and I as their parents the other day when talking to her friends, which was kind of funny. Yep. She's really quiet still. It's been, I think, about a month and a half. Still doesn't say a whole lot to us. Hangs out with you. Watches TV. Really quiet with me, which is fine. She's opened it up a little more and more. But yeah, it's been good. And then we remodeled the bathroom. Yeah. That was a big undertaking for us. I thought it was going to be a quick, simple hit. It was clearly not. It took us a month, two and a half weeks to a month to actually finish everything. From the day we started doing demo, it was 12 days until the kids were back in there and using the toilet in the shower. And, and then it was, I think it was 17 days. No, it was, had to be more than that. It doesn't matter. It was about three weeks before the sink was back in and operational. But now everything's functional. The only thing we're missing is a mirror. That's right. Yep, we'll get to that here in the next couple of weeks. You ready to talk about tonight's wine? I am. Okay. Tonight we have a 2020 Syrah Le Pelle de Sarine. It's from, fr- what? I was actually going to guess this was a Syrah. I didn't look at it, but. Okay. It's from Francois Villard Winery in France. Uh, so where did we get this? Uh, this was our red wine from the September subscription at Metza. I pulled it out tonight. I, we didn't have any white chilled. Um, we were ready to go and a red sounded nice. Yeah, I like red more in the evening than I do whites. Whites to me feel like a midday, lighter, entertaining wine. Reds are something that I can sit back and relax with. It is 100% Syrah. Uh, the ABV is 13%, so it's right where we want it to be. We'll finish a bottle and that it's like having two to three beers, something like that. The Francois Villard Winery is in the Saint-Michel-sur-Rhône area of France. It's labeled as Central France, but it looks a little more south and east of that point. Still a good 100 miles from both Italy and Switzerland. Located in the Loire Department, and I'm probably butchering that name. So Department for in France, and I had to look this up because I didn't know. Department, what? You're shaking your head. We covered this uh, the first episode, I thought. We covered Department? Yeah. We've talked about Italy. I don't think we've talked about France before. Department is kind of like their counties. right? So there's 101 counties in France. They're called departments. I don't think they have a state level government, but they have regional areas of France that are broken down 
but I, I couldn't tell if those actually have departments. But this is in the Loire department, again, one of 100, 101, excuse me, in France. This winery was founded in 1989, so it's a relatively new winery, right? newer than it seems like most we have. They didn't have their first harvest until 1991. It was tough to find much information. Again, I don't know if it's family-owned or what's going on there. The only interesting thing I found is in, in 2019, they signed to commit to be EcoCert by 2023, so next year. What's EcoCert mean? It basically means that they are organic and they're certified to be an organic winery. Okay. So EcoCert is a, I don't know, it's foundation. They do audit organizations in over 80 countries. This winery has 23 different wines, 11 whites, 12 reds. The reds they produce are almost exclusively Syrahs, all variations of Syrah. The 11 whites they have are a mix, and I'm going to butcher these names. I'll butcher one of the names, Viognier, Marsan, and Roussan. I've never heard of those grapes before my, myself, but it's pretty evenly split between those three, three grapes for the wines, with a number of the wines using a mix of the latter two. Okay, so mostly white blends? Yeah, white blends between those two, the Marsan and Roussan. Okay. The reason I thought this was a Syrah is I do like red blends, but we've been picking up a lot more of the Syrah because Sherry likes it a lot more. We had that one velvety chocolate Syrah that we picked up in Bowling Green that she really liked, and it reminds me of that. It's the velvety taste. The difference, though, is this is super purple, like really purple. It surprises me because... I would have thought it had more of a red color, but it's super purple. Okay. The only other thing I had is that, yes, you can go visit it. They're open Monday through Saturday, 9 to 4.30, and if you're in France. Oh, I, and I did look up pictures of that region of France. It looks really nice. Again, just a sparsely populated area, but gorgeous countryside, castles. Rolling hills. Yep. It looks like your stereotypical French countryside that you picture with wineries. Okay. Now we can do the color. My bad. Again, it's super purple. Really, when you were pouring it out, I was amazed. It doesn't have like, so most most red wines that we drink have a like a little red tint to the edges. This is flat out purple. Even when you look through, it's it's very thick. You can't see through it at all. No, it's pretty. It has some thick legs. Yeah. Okay, and see, we've been we've taken too big of a gap. That I don't even remember what thick legs mean anymore. It's, Thicker legs is higher alcohol content, harder tannins. I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up. Wine legs are the droplets of wine that form on the inside of a wine glass. Wine legs are an example of Gibbs <laughs> Marigoni effect, a phenomenon that is a result of fluid surface tension caused by the evaporation of alcohol. So thicker legs mean more alcohol because the alcohol evaporates more than the grape? I'm not sure that's right. We already know the alcohol content, right? It's 13%, which is average for wine. High alcohol wines collect a higher density of droplets on the sides of the glass than low alcohol. So higher the alcohol, the thicker the legs. I gotcha. So I see them and they're collecting and they're running slow, but they're not very thick. No. It, they're thin. It's very much a clear color on the legs. They're that thin. And then sweeter wines are more viscose. Viscose? Viscose? Viscosity? Viscose. Are more viscose the tears will flow slower down the sides of the glass. More legs or droplets can either indicate high alcohol content or high sugar content in wine. Wine legs ca are caused by alcohol evaporation from the sides of the glass. So when we have really sugary wines, we should see a lot of legs as well. Mm -hmm. All right, you ready to smell it? Yeah. 
I smell alcohol. <laughs> That's exactly what I smell. <laughs> it's all I can smell. I, I don't smell any fruit at all. No, I just smell the alcohol. And again, we know the alcohol content. It, it's not that high. This is odd. I, I don't think I've never had a wine that all I can smell is the alcohol. You don't think you've never had it? I don't think I have ever had a wine that smells purely of alcohol. I really like it. It's yeah, a pretty, I, pretty color. But to be clear, I don't smell any no. fruit. Nothing. All right, let's taste it. Maybe we just stopped drinking as much wine lately that we're losing our taste buds. No, I, I think it has a bit of a cherry taste to it. Licorice? Yeah, which would identify with cherry. Okay. I like it, though. I think it's a little... There's just a little bit of sweetness and just a little bit of tart. Oh, yeah. It, it doesn't hit the back of my, my my tongue like most red wines. It's in the middle towards the front is where I taste it. All right. So what would you eat with this? A dessert. Just because of the high alcohol content, not not the heavy flavors of like oak or or another woody taste. I associate those with meat, but the sweetness and the the alcohol content would taste good with like a a cheesecake or something really velvety and thick. It would complement each other, I think. I can see that. A plain cheesecake would be great with this. Yes. Okay. Yes. Do you want to add anything further before we see how we did? No. <laughs> okay, because this is our Metza subscription of the month, we have the answers. Tasting notes are violets, blueberry, dark cherry, anise, A-N-I-S-E. Which is made in, like, you put it in licorice. Okay, and smoke. Foods to eat with this are brisket. My head always goes to meat. grilled smoked meat. Yes, brisket, steak. Steak was, act I was actually thinking that for this one, but, and also lamb chops. Okay, so this is not a dessert wine. This is a full-blown meal wine. That's what it says. I mean, everybody has their own preference. You're not going to be wrong. I think it's kind of neat that we both thought cheesecake, but... I wasn't thinking it until you said it, and then it sounds good. Anything else you want to add on to it? No, but once we get better about this, we will have better descriptors, I bet. Okay, so our, our topic for tonight is vacation. So the only thing I want to talk about with the traveling is when we left, we, we left Columbus early in the morning... We spent all day working in Newark from that little booth in the corner of the, the food court area, uh, which really wasn't as bad as I thought it might be. It was kind of funny talking to the coworkers and, you know, unblurring my background so they could see where I actually was and have real people walking behind us in the airport. Uh, it was really secluded in that area. Yeah. It was a good pick. But then the two things about the travel itself, I didn't get, or I barely got a lick of shut eye on the flight from Newark to Keflavik. I agree. I think we sat in the middle row, didn't we? And it was an emergency exit and we couldn't lean back. Yeah, we weren't the middle row. We still had the window. But yes, it was the... The emergency exit, so... Or right in front of it. One of the two. No, it wasn't the extra footroom row, but we were right there. So yeah, we couldn't lean back at all. And that made a huge difference. Yep. But then one of the nice things is I a couple of weeks before vacation, I put in a bid to get bumped up to first class. And that got accepted. So from Keflavik to London, we rode first class which was an experience. I felt I felt bad. The food was very average. I didn't really care for the food. The The nice thing was the free alcohol. And I, I felt a little bad that the first time they came by, I and this is this is what, like eight in the morning, Iceland time or something like that. So I'm, I'm getting a beer for breakfast. And then they came back, I don't know, an hour later, and I had another beer. And I could have had another beer or two yet, but two was enough. It was actually empty in the first class area. Not completely. It, I mean, there were a few, there were a couple seats open yet, but yeah. The seats were amazing. I slept so well. It was comfortable. 
spacious. Allie wants to do first class every time now. Yeah, that's not happening. Well, the seats leaned back much further than coach, right? So it really felt like we were, especially with the, the plane tilted as it is when it flies, it felt like we were laying down. It was nice. I know you slept quite a bit. Yeah, I was fish hooking pretty bad there for a hot minute because I was trying to watch the movie and the more comfortable I got, the more I sunk into the, the seat itself. It was just sleep because we had been up for 24 hours almost. Yeah, it was about that. Uh, but then we landed in London and we got to the apartment where Joe and Nikki had been, well, I mean, they'd only been there a week, but they were staying a full 30 days. I think night one, we went to Abbey Road. Do you, do you even remember that after being so jet lagged? Yes, because that was hilarious. I think we did try to do Abbey Road like four different times. And Joe finally stood in the middle of the, the road to take a picture. And you were behind him trying to take it with a nice camera. And Joe's with this little itty bitty cell phone camera. It still came out nice. And when you say we tried to do Abbey Road, you mean you tried to recreate the Beatles album cover? Yes, with Allie, Harper, myself, and Nikki. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. It actually turned out pretty decent. Yep. But I'm surprised there wasn't more honking of horns. It's almost like people expect that. I'm sure they're accustomed to it. There were a couple people that just cracked me up watching them try to do it. And then I think on the way back... We had to take a bus, and I fell asleep on the bus. And they were making fun of me because my head was bobbing. They were trying to talk to me, and my head kept bobbing. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I was so tired. We were very jet-lagged in a good way. But the next morning was Father's Day. Yeah, and we went to the duck place. Duck and waffle. Duck and waffle. Yep. That, and that was an experience. I was up on the, I don't know, 40th floor of a building in downtown London. Really good views. All around, right? You could see in every direction from the 40th floor. Food was good. I realized then in that meal that I do like Irish coffees, but they have to be Nespresso. When you put an Irish or a shot of whiskey into uh, an American drip coffee, it's just not the same. So since then, we picked up Nespresso decafs so I can make them at home. But you have to have good whiskey too. And then we also then took a walk up to... What did we do that day after Duck and Waffle? I forget the name of the park already. We went to the park where the British Observatory is because that has the prime meridian running through it. It was neat, but it was, I don't know that it's noteworthy. I can't believe they charge as much as they do just to walk on it. Yeah. Was it $25 a person? Uh, Yeah. But that night was uh, Harry Styles' concert. That was neat. Do you uh, want to talk about the Harry Styles yeah, concert? Yeah, so it was in Wembley. I haven't been in a big stadium like that ever. It was intimidating, and it felt four times bigger than any stadium I've been here in Ohio. So Nationwide nationwide Arena was dwarfed to Wembley. But they had big enough uh, monitors and TVs all around. It felt like you were on the stage anyway. Harry Styles was, I'm going to admit, I was not overly excited about Harry Styles per se. Allie was super psyched. Nikki was super excited. Harper was super excited. And I just like to go listen to good music. And then I started listening to his music after we went to the concert because I enjoyed myself so much that I really like him. I think he's a decent artist. It was a lot of fun. To be fair, you can't not compare Wembley and Nationwide Arena. At all. One's a football stadium, the other one's an arena. They're not the same thing. My bad. Even going to the Crew Stadium. You can't compare those either. You would need to compare Wembley to Ohio Stadium or Cleveland Brown Stadium. Still dwarfed. I don't think it does. 
it probably seemed really big to you because we don't go to stadiums like that anymore. We don't go to Ohio Stadium, but once in a decade. We don't go to Cleveland, but once in a decade. So we, the seats that we got were actually pretty decent. Uh, they were on the opposite end of the stage, up underneath the the overhang, and it rained. So we were all dry as it rained on everybody else. And it we stayed dry. We had nobody behind us. We had plenty of room to to put stuff on the ledge and hang out. And alcohol is super cheap in UK. It was amazing. I got like a gin and tonic for 10 bucks and it was 32 ounces. 32 ounce gin and tonic. It felt like a 32 ounce. It was the size of our Cooper, our Clippers cups, not our 32, it was 16 ounces. For like 10 bucks. It was a pint. Okay. But you had fun. It was really a lot of fun. I think Allie had a lot of fun too. Oh, leaving there was a different experience as well. Because it was at least a mile walk to back to the trains. Everywhere in UK, you could take trains. And it was funneled down, and it was just waves. They had police officers to stagger the onslaught onto the trains. They staggered people and would stop people about a quarter away, a quarter of a mile walk, would stop people for like 10 or 15 minutes. But they had cops with bullhorns playing mute, random music off of their cell phones blasting it across the, the, the crowd and they were singing and dancing. It was a lot of fun. It was just different. It's probably pretty smart in hindsight. If you keep everybody in a good mood, nobody's going to get out of line and do anything they shouldn't be. Right. All right. Can, can I talk about my evening with Joe? Absolutely. So the ladies went to Harry Styles and Joe and I went bar hopping at some of the older pubs in London. The first one we hit was called the seven stars. And it, it's funny because so many of these pubs claim to be the oldest one in London but it really comes down to most of them burned down during the Great London Fire in 1666. So all of them rebuilt at about the same time. Uh, but this one claimed to be one of the oldest. Uh, and it was called Seven Stars. Joe and I walked in and, and it wasn't even, it was probably a quarter filled. Not a whole lot of people there. It, uh, keep in mind it was a Sunday night, right? But we ordered beer at the bar. We sat down at a two-person table. I had, I don't remember, Joe had something simple. It was like a chicken salad or something. And I mean, you know, a salad with chicken on top of it. I ordered a cheese and onion pie. I sat down and I had to order the most English thing that was on the menu. And cheese and onion pie sounded English. So ordered that and it was delicious. Oh my God. You burped all night long and all I could smell was that cheese and onion pie. It was awful. It was delicious. It was awful. It was delicious. <laughs> We finished our beer and our meal there. Uh, the next place we went to was uh, called Nags Head. And this was in a little bit of a shopping area. It was very touristy and it didn't feel special. It didn't feel English. It felt like it felt American is how it felt. Um, I haven't looked into the, the restaurant at all since. I don't know if it's actually, I don't know if it's a chain or what, but it felt very modern, right? It didn't feel old. Maybe it is one of the older ones, but that's how it was. Uh, Joe and I sat outside. Um, had our beers there. They had a little, it wasn't a patio, but it was a fenced off area right on the street. Just sat there and people watched for a while, rained on us a little bit or sprinkled on us. And then we got up and we went to a bar called Lamb and Flag. And this one it looked its age, right? Again, it claiming to be one of the older pubs in London, very old. Joe and I each ordered beer there and sat at a table near the bar I don't, I don't remember what we talked about. Actually, that was one of the funny things is I don't remember what we talked about most of that night. But as I woke up the next morning, I kept having flashbacks to, oh, yeah. And it was fun recounting that to Liz and Allie. So we had three beers at the bar. 
uh, just sat there, chatted. A lot of good conversation. Uh, it was fun. I don't really get to chant the chance to chat with Joe that much like that. So that was great. Did some people watching. There were, there were interesting people hanging around us doing their own thing. But then I, I, of course, we've had five beers at some point, right? We had to use the restroom and it, it was the smelliest restroom. I think I've, oh, that can't be true. It's not the smelliest restroom, but I've, I've ever been in, but it's pretty bad. I mean, to the point where I used it, I came back to the table a little later. Joe said he had to go and I just said, good luck. He's like, oh, now I have to go and, and came back. He's like, oh, I don't think I can go in there again. Yeah, all around a good night. I mean, I know we, the only other thing worth talking about, I think, is on the way home, Joe insisted we get McDonald's. And I had had enough that I don't remember exactly what happened. I apparently, I was good. I just got a small French fry. But then looking back at the pictures, Joe ordered an entire McDonald's meal at like 11 p.m. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> well, he, you must have seen him eating it, no? No. Then when did he eat it? I don't know. So the next day, Kevin kept saying... They couldn't remember much of that night. They were both pretty tanked when they got home. Kevin kept having flashbacks during the day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think the bathrooms were the hit of the UK for us. Between the bathrooms being smelly and the next night after their bar crawl and our Harry Styles concert, we went to Phantom of the Opera. And we had a really nice dinner ahead of time. And Kevin went to the restroom and he's like... You both have to go to the bathroom right now. And Alady looked at each other and were like, what is going on? So what did he, what was going on? What did he say exactly? He said something. Oh, I just put my face in it and I licked and I licked and I licked. I didn't say that. No, when we went into the bathroom, that's exactly what happened. We went into the bathroom and all you hear as you walk into the bathroom is I put my face in it and all I did was lick and lick and lick and both of Allie and I were losing our stuff about halfway done through the bathroom and washing our hands. We realized they're re- reading Winnie the Pooh stories. <laughs> I don't think we've ever thought of Winnie, P- Winnie the Pooh as erotic porn. But <laughs> if you walk in and somebody's reading in an English accent, I just put my head in it and I licked and I licked and I licked. What would you think? That wasn't an English accent. I, I can't do an English accent. <laughs> I can do I can do a real real bad cockney accent, I think. <laughs> but that's all right. It was funny though. So between Kevin's really gross bathroom, the bathroom incident with Winnie the Pooh, and then Allie walking through tunnels saying every tunnel smelled like pee. Mm. Yeah, every tunnel under the bridges. Yep. Yeah, we'll jump back here in a second. So what about Phantom of the Opera? Oh, that was really neat. We got front row center stage tickets. I love Family Opera. Allie likes it. Kevin, I don't know if you enjoyed it or not, but... It was okay. The coolest part about that was the chandelier came crashing down and it went right over the top of our heads. It was amazing. It was neat just feeling the, the, the wind just go over the top of your head. It felt like you were in the middle of it. Did it feel like you were right there? I was right there. Sitting in the front row? Yeah. Yeah. It was neat. It was a good experience. Yeah. Uh, earlier in that day, though, we went out to Richmond, just the three of us, you, me, and Allie. But, I mean, we are huge fans of Ted Lasso, and I did the, some research ahead of time to see you know, where they film certain things. So we took the train out to Richmond. It wasn't too bad. It took us, I don't know, 45 minutes. Uh, we saw the exterior of the theater where they did the player auction. 
but then key is we saw the the grounds that are out in front of the bar, the nice green pitch where I don't think they ever gave the the girl a name that I know of, but he Ted plays some soccer with her out there uh, or football. Definitely saw the prince's head, sat down and had lunch in there. In fact, that was the only place where we had fish and chips the entire trip, I think. But it was really good fish and chips. It was interesting, though. When we ate that fish and chips, there it came with uh, chips, which are French fries. And next to the French fries was this green mashed looking lump. And in my head, I think guacamole. Did you think guacamole? I didn't think anything. It looked weird, though. It did. So you tasted a little bit of it, and it was... It decent. It was salty and had a lot of lime in it, but it was not guacamole. So we asked what it was, and it was mashed peas. Supposedly in England, that's a thing to do with fish and chips is to mash a big lump of mashed peas. Did not know that. I will never eat them again. Yeah, I prefer my fries Dutch. Covered in mayo. Ew. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it is good. What are you talking about? No whispering. I said it's so good. Oh, it, it, yeah, it blew, it blew, it bled into a, a whisper. But yeah, took our pictures. Uh, you didn't mention the, oh, no, that was my job. I didn't mention the dog, right? The dog, there was a dog running in and out of the bar, and his name was Blue. Allie played for, with him for a bit, and we found out that he was the dog of one of the barflies that hangs out in the bar. And he was, he was interesting to talk to because he was your stereotypical English guy. It's hard to understand him. What? He was missing teeth. Yeah. And, it, and they just, they didn't even look at him. They just noticed that his beer is empty and they put one out on the on the bar for him. Like, just, he didn't ask for it. It was just there. We practically have that at our bar. I know. Okay. Okay. So the other cool thing was I asked them specifically because this a lot of the scenes that we see in the bar are from Ted Lasso. And we asked, do you lean into it? And he says, heck yeah, man, we've tripled our business since we've leaned into it. They have an entire corner dedicated to Tad Lasso. So of course they had to go take a picture, but it was neat. There were a lot of people doing the same thing that we were doing, but later we got there first and then it got busy. We got there first that day. Many people had been doing this for months. It was neat though. Just walking down the alley and just seeing some of the, the scenes that we watch on a regular basis. I think we're almost to our third round of the two seasons. Yeah, probably are. Last day in London, we decided to take the big red bus tour, which was fine. The reason we decided to do that the last day in London is because they were doing a tube strike. And, well, tube is subway. So we figured, you know, if we can't use the train system to get around, let's at least take the big red bus tour. The downside of that is because the, the tube was on strike, traffic was everywhere. So the, the big red bus tour was delayed. Uh, it took us the entire day to get around the loop. We hit all the major London stops. I, I don't think any of those are worth talking about. My favorite part of the whole day was the Cheshire Cheese restaurant. Oh, yeah, that was neat. And the uh, Last Supper picture? Yeah. Again, another another pub in London that claims to be one of the oldest out there. But it was good food. Yep. I had uh, bangers and mash. And then when we left, the bathroom was downstairs. But it wasn't just downstairs. You had to go down two floors because the second, the first floor going downstairs was another part of the bar, except it was all wine. It was neat. And the restroom smelled like pee. <laughs> Still smelled like pee. I, I was trying to remember. I think I had shepherd's pie there. I think, and it was delicious. By far the best shepherd's pie I've ever had. And the only downside about the UK and the tube strike that really disappointed me was I had planned for months to go hang out with uh, some, of co some of my co-workers that I'm really close with that I've never met in actual person. 
and they live right near there. They were going to come down with their, their, their spouses and hang out for the day. And we're going to do some pub crawls. And since the tube strike, they couldn't come into town because that's the only way you can get from the outer limits into town is through the tubes. And since the strike, they were not able to get tickets. And it was just disappointing for me. Yeah, I know. I mean, I was really looking forward to that. I think you would have had fun with Matt Murphy and his accent. Perhaps. Joe would have had a blast trying to mimic it. (laughs) (laughs) If, If they joined us for it, yeah. Only other thing I want to touch on with London before we go to Paris is Trivia Night. And yes, of course, Trivia Night was fun. But this is where I had my American moment where you have to name your team, right? Like you do in so many places. But I thought it'd be funny. The word wanker is funny to me. Right? It means nothing here in America. I think it may, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> it's The idea of calling someone that and having it be insulting is just funny. And I didn't have the thought until we got back. But the guy asked us, what do you want to call your team? And I'm, so I told him our team name is Call Me Wanker One More Time. And for the entire night, he couldn't say it. He kept, I don't forget what word he used, but he would not say wanker. He was like, call me weirdo one more time. It wasn't weirdo either, but it was something. PG-13 word. Yeah, but we just thought it was funny. And it wasn't until we got back till I finally had the realization that wanker in England is kind of like dick in America. I, I can go in and to work and I can say wanker and people would think it's just funny. You cannot go into work and say dick, right? That's a dirty word in America, but mm. it may be funny in England. We don't know because it, by itself, it's not an improper word. It's just context around it. And in, in America, that's a dirty context. You can't use that word. It's true. So it, and unfortunate, but that was my American moment in Europe. I'm surprised you didn't hit on the traffic incident we experienced. Oh, that was amazing. We, we, on our way to the big red bus tour, we saw two guys having a, a road rage incident on the street. But so much of being in Europe was like going back in time 50 years in, in regards to... Uh, etiquette. Yeah, etiquette. But these two guys were outside their cars and yelling at each other. In America, there would be four letter words left and right and calling each other names. This in, everything. Yeah. In, in London, these two guys were outside their car just yelling, no, uh, no, wasn't even. No, you're lying. Yes. That's right. I was thinking it was your, your fault. Yeah. One guy yelled, no, you're lying. No, you're lying. No, you're lying. That was it. That was the extent of the argument. And they just kind of just went off. They didn't even call each other a wanker. Yeah. That would have made my day. That was fun. In fact, that's if you can give me one gift, if Matt can call me up and call me a wanker, that would be funny. <laughs> Done. I will have him purposely call you on WhatsApp and be like, don't be a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt Matt is my coworker that we were supposed to meet, and he has the stereotypical Scottish, Welsh, English slang accent. It cracks me up every day. And when he gets really frustrated... His words bleed together, and I actually have to ask him to slow down because I can't make him out because of his accent. So if I can get him a little tipsy, get catch him when he's a little tipsy, and have him call you a wanker, that would make your day? Not really. It'd be pretty funny. If we ever met him in any conversation, he called me a wanker. That would be funny. But specifically doing it, nah. Anything else you want to call out with London before we shift to Paris? No, I think we spent a lot. <laughs> we actually spent a lot of time. Vacation was really fun for us this year. It was different. But it was relaxing, and I didn't feel rushed. You're right. It was four nights in London versus ten nights in Paris. So it's, let's roughly call it two to one. But I feel like the events that happened in each of those is even. 
because we would make an entire day out of one thing in Paris, where London was trying to cram lots of things in together. Agreed. So to Paris, we took a high-speed train, and we went under the channel. Yeah. I know you had some anxiety leading up to the channel. Did you even notice it? I did not even notice it. I don't know. We were down there for 20, 25 minutes. It seemed like something. It didn't even seem like that long. No. I think it was 20, 25 minutes. But made it to Paris, got to the apartment, and the apartment was great. It was a two-bedroom, single bath. What? You didn't think it was great? I did. I thought it was awesome. I'm just remembering incidences where you two ganged up on me more than once. In the apartment? Regarding the apartment. Like what? Uh, the whole elevator thing, like, oh, is not. But that's funny. <laughs> okay. You thought it was funny as well. I do think it's funny, but not at that moment. I would really get a pee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. We'll talk about that separately. No, we Frank. won't. No, we're there now. We'll, we'll talk about it. Okay. So the apartment was on the fifth floor, which again, in France, the first floor is not the ground floor. The first floor is the first floor above the ground floor. So really we're on the sixth floor. We would walk up the stairs every single day, but the day we got there, we, of course, took luggage through the, the elevator, and the elevator was a tiny closet, not even a closet. It was, not, I don't know, it was probably two feet by three feet, maybe three and a half. It could barely fit the su- one suitcase sideways, plus somebody standing like sideways as well between that. Yeah, max it could hold two people, two adults, and you would be very tight with each other. But anyway, back to the elevator story. One night we were out and we had been at a restaurant and had drinks and and on the way back up, Allie and I are are taking the stairs and Liz decides she's going to take the elevator because she has to use the restroom. And as we're going up the floor, Allie jokes, should I hit the button on this floor to make the elevator stop? I'm like, no, don't do that. And then she walks on past and as she does, my thought is, I'll do it. So I hit the button and every single, Allie and I hit every single button for every single floor all the way at the top. I was so mad. Because all I had to do was pee. I really had to pee. <clears throat> but the stairs were neat because it was spiraled all the way up. It made me think of the, the story that Chris and Sherry told us when they first had their first in- vacation in Paris. Is they had a similar instance when they were up on the very top floor and they had keys. Except the difference between theirs and ours. Theirs had a hollow middle and ours didn't, and Chris dropped the keys from the top floor all the way down to the bottom floor through the hollow. And walking up those stairs are not fun when you've been drinking. I was okay. It made me a little dizzy sometimes. But yeah, that's where the elevator was. It was built in the middle of the spiral staircase. But yeah, the apartment was great. Two bedroom, full bath. There was a nice balcony out Allie's bedroom door, of which she said she heard people down at the street most nights, either after the poetry hour or after the bar there was a bar down at the end. Yeah, I don't know. What do you want to talk about for the things we saw? Maybe we take a little different approach. What was your favorite thing or neighborhood? Uh, Montmartre was my favorite. The little artist areas, the little, uh, just the side streets that were off the beaten path were so pretty. They were cobblestone. They haven't been touched in years, so they were kind of off balance. They were plaster or stucco siding. So it was painted, it was stucco, it just had that old feel from like the early 1900s still, even though it's 2020, still felt like the early 1900s. And they had ivy and lots of plants and there was not a lot of noise. So it just was so serene for me. Mm -hmm. I'm making an assumption here, but I think because it's a little further from downtown and, well, sorry, not downtown, but. It's a little further from... The heart of Paris. Yes. 
and it's up on a hill, all the streets are narrower. So you don't have avenues running everywhere like you do in the heart of Paris around Notre Dame and Eiffel Tower. So we were watching Emily in Paris before we went. And there was a one scene that they had noted that is the prettiest street in Paris. We actually walked down that and I absolutely agree with that statement then. We were in the morning at, or mid-morning afternoon and the sun was just right and you it had this slow spiral up or you could just glance and it just ever so slightly bent off so you can, couldn't see the end of the street. It just tailored off. It was so pretty for me. That's, that's the moment I just like was like, that's what I think of Paris now, is this cobblestone road, the stucco uh, siding, and the ivy, and the very subtle glow from the morning. We were still watching Emily Opry while we were there. We were oh, still trying right. to finish season two, because we had the one night after we went to La Mer that day, where they were in the one park, and it was, oh, we were just there today. I thought that was movie magic when they shot that. They were legit in paris mm -hmm. most of the scenes that we i can remember from that show we passed right uh their dinner out in the middle of the what do you call it Cul culver or the open area between it was like a little parkish but not because there's no grass but we were there and i stood right in the middle and oh that's um, emily opery yeah, that's her apartment to be clear, I, I put it on the map in case we were there. We did not deliberately go there. We just happened to be walking around in the Latin Corridor and happened to walk down this street, and there it is. Yeah, so that's one of the things we walked around the Latin Corridor. I think that was the longest day for us. We walked 15 miles about. Yeah, that was a lot of walking. But that was also really neat because it showed, I, th I hope Allie appreciated it because it showed a lot of what artists do in Paris is they just street hustle, right? In the Latin Corridor? That was Montmartre. Montmartre did, yes. Yes. Yeah, that is not the Latin Quarter. How did you get into the Latin Quarter? That's where Emily in Paris is. Really? That's where she lives, yeah. Okay. Sorry I mixed the two up. I thought they were... They filmed the scene in Montmartre where they put the bed. That was the prettiest street in Paris. So that's what I was thinking. So Montmartre, going back to Montmartre, the reason I liked it the most was not just the views, but it was their cultural impact there. There were just farmer's markets of just artists. And Allie was amazed at how much everybody smoked there, by the way. There were artists there just dragging off of cigarettes and waiting for people to sketch them or have them sketch them. Yeah, I wouldn't put any words in her mouth. I really don't know how she felt. Okay. She'll tell us one day when she's older. Again, she hasn't told us. I think the most fun she had was the Palace of Versailles. And I don't know that's jumping around a bit. Because while, yes, I mean, I'm sure she loves us and all that. She's a teenager, so very anti-parent. And the Palace of Versailles was nice because you could put the, for free, right? You could put the audio tour on your phone and everybody could listen to it individually. So Allie just, we all did that, but Allie took it and she was about a room ahead of us most of the time, but just off on her own, you know, just far enough that we could catch up to her if we needed to, but still within reach. She seemed it, to enjoy that. She didn't call anything out specifically. No, I think she did when she came home and explained it to the maze. Hmm. But I agree. I think Versailles was her first taste of independence from us. It was a foreign country. There were a lot of people. So we were tourists, but I don't think we were touristy. Probably not. I'd... There were parents that were, I could tell where, who were Americans and who were not Americans. And I don't think we dressed like an American. 
there were Americans there with the fanny packs and the the t-shirts and the cutoff jeans. Like it was. Well, that's not fair. The number of Europeans I saw wearing either a Levi's shirt or a Yankees baseball cap or a Red Sox shirt was insane. Yeah. I do like, though, one of the things I really enjoyed was we tried to immerse ourselves as much as possible. So we were there for 10 days. We used a lot of French. I'm not very good at French at all. Kevin was better than all of us, but there were moments that we were able to actually converse and talk and have some kind of general, like, kindergarten language with them. It was nice. Yeah, my favorite moment with that was when we went to the meat and cheese shop and you and Allie were shopping. And I mentioned to the woman behind the counter, just one woman working there. I said, parlez-vous anglais? Said, no. And I said to her, je parle plus français, which means I speak a little French. And she just laughed. I didn't say anything to more to her after that, but I think my favorite one was when we went and got the uh, sub sandwiches or the baguettes with the meat and cheese. Yeah, that little corner. Yeah, I think I spoke ninety percent French with them. No, it was neat though. I mean, by the time they ended the end of the trip, it was everything was merci or I can't even remember some of that stuff that we were saying. S'il vous plaît. Bon, bonjour. S'il vous plaît. And merci. And I caught myself for the first couple of days back in the U.S. saying the words just because it started to become habit because we were there for 10 days. Yep. So we took the alley to the Eiffel Tower. She seemed she seemed unimpressed. I, and to be frank, I wasn't as impressed as the first time we saw it either. Still love it at night. Of course, we couldn't go see Notre Dame, right? That's still under construction from the fire a few years ago. Uh, we did go to the Louvre for the first time, which I just thought the Louvre was okay. You see, and this is where I differ from you guys. You guys wanted to rush through it. I enjoyed looking at all the strokes and the paintings and the history behind it. I think that was my favorite part about the the Louvre. And I, I get it. Allie seemed like she was kind of, it felt forced for her from us. But I genuinely like looking at museums. I genuinely like looking at the history I genuinely like looking at just the painting, thinking somebody took that from their mind through their hands and did it. It's just amazing to me. And reflecting on that and soaking it in is very calming for me and very soothing and awe-inspiring for me. And I felt like I was rushed through that because you two were not, it was hot and there was lots of people and you just didn't want to do it. And that's fine. I get that. But I enjoyed that day a lot. I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more had I just been by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Deal. I had that thought going into this trip. Like, There's going to be days where Liz and Allie want to go see a museum, and I'm just not going to go. I'm going to go find my own thing to do. And I never did that. I mean, you have to go see the Louvre just to say you've done it. I I really don't think I would go back. The Louvre didn't impress me. I I enjoyed the Palace of Versailles way more than the Louvre. And again, both people lived in both places, right? But there's no remnants of people living at the Louvre anymore. There's no story to tell. It's just a museum. Really? I thought it was neat that the floors creaked and you could see where they had windows that they covered up to put the paintings and things like that. Like, I really, and if we go to Paris again, I think I could spend an entire day at the Louvre just by myself. I will go to the bar and hang out with Warren. <gasps> Warren. He was a good dude. What else did we see and do? Oh, man, we didn't even talk about Disneyland. Or Bleeding Heart. Bleeding Heart. What's the Bleeding Heart? Uh, isn't it up off of in Montmartre? It's oh, the, the Sacred Heart. The Sacred Heart. Why did I say Bleeding Heart? I don't know. 
Sacred Heart was neat. Allie thought it was meh, but I still enjoyed it. We had that one guy that was out troubadouring, and that was pretty neat. He was pretty decent, too. He was. I have no time for street performers. I know you don't. We did the mime. Oh, yeah. That guy was funny. I take, <laughs> well, hanging out with the mime in France makes sense. It was pretty funny. Allie was really creeped out. He kissed me. On the on the head? On the cheek. Oh, then he kissed me on the head, right? Uh-huh. That's gross. <laughs> Especially we were, we were still, we weren't out of COVID like we are now. Right now, again, September 2022, COVID is essentially the flu now. We weren't quite at that point back in June where he, he did that. And I was like, that's a little suspicious. Yeah, Omicron was still raging in France. Yep. Before we get to Disneyland, what else? Oh, we went to La Mer and did, we were there for the gay pride parade. That was interesting. We picked a spot and we waited around for like an hour for it to start and it nothing was happening. So we finally got up and started heading towards both where we knew the start of the parade was supposed to be and a train station where we could get back on the train and go back to the apartment. Yeah, and then we just happened to intersect with the Pride Parade as we were going. And a couple things about the Pride Parade. I think there were genuine people in there for the experience. And then I think there were people there to say, yeah, I can do whatever. Deuce I want. They were stripped down, being just obnoxious about being naked in front of everybody. You didn't catch the two, two women shaking at all the bystanders? Mm, I'm trying to remember. No, no, I definitely didn't see anything that obnoxious. I think I saw three topless women. Oh, there's way more than that, hun. Well, excuse me for not staring. <laughs> At least one of them, if not two, were doing the pasties thing, though. Agreed. Um, the other thing with the Pride Parade that concerned me was all the police. And I get the police were different. They just happened to be there because of a different circumstance going on in Paris at that point in time. But there were a lot of police officers around on the side streets carrying ARs. There was a lot of police activity around that that area. And it was just because... What was going on? It was the... um, Well, I think you're blending two subjects. I do think they were around the Gay Pride Parade specifically for the Gay Pride Parade. To protect. Yes. But ARs? That's what bothers me. We'll have a conversation later about how ARs work, because I'm not sure you understand it. Why do they need to be so big and, and, I don't know. Because lots of idiots are wearing bulletproof armor anymore when they do their thing. I don't think there was any bulletproof armor during that gay pride parade. There wasn't, but you have to plan for the worst. Okay. Agreed. There were also lots of police with automatic automated rifles or automatic rifles around the courthouse, uh, because they were... They were trying. They were wrapping up the trial for the only surviving terrorist from the 2015 Paris attacks. I think there were is the upper teens for number of terrorists that carried out activity back then, and it, they. Uh, I'm gonna get my numbers all wrong, but I I think they killed uh, like 100 people just doing suicide explosions right around the stadium where there was a football match and just at random cafes. One guy survived. He claims that he had a vest and it, it was malfunctioning. Uh, malfunctioning. Yeah, but th- that trial was wrapping up. So, yes, there was a lot of armed police around there. A couple things that we did that was from our previous. We tried to do the cafe that we went to by Notre Dame. It wasn't as good. Well, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Part of it was I swore I had mac and cheese there four years ago. No, you had a croaked madame. No, Sherry had croaked madame. I had the cheese ravioli that Allie ordered. Oh, yeah. And and when I tasted that, the cheese ravioli was still really good. 
Speaking of food, I did the, the stereotypical French stuff. I tried escargot. Very delicious. Super buttery. Allie wanted none of it. Did you try it? Oh, yeah. And then I had frog legs. That was disappointing. They were really small, really thin. They weren't tasty. They were kind of rubbery and tasted like chicken. It was just weird. And I won't do those again. But escargot, I could do 100% of the time. Escargot is fine. It's just not my jam. I enjoyed it. That's a good thought. I'm not sure what my favorite food in, in France was. But on the, that line, one of the things that was very different is you drank a lot of wine in Paris. I really didn't. This trip, I, I know we're doing a, a podcast that's focused around or partly focused around wine, but I was just more into beer there. And I did find two beers I really liked in Paris. And I came home and asked our local Bird beer point. shop yeah, where if they could get it. And he had not heard of either one of them. The other interesting thing that I didn't pick up on our first time in Paris, but this definitely the second time I, Kevin corrected me after our, we had landed and we went out to dinner and they asked us if we wanted to add a tip. I didn't realize that tips were not normal in France, like they are here in the U.S. Usually tip 20%, right? Of the bill. I think you knew that. You just forgot for a moment. Probably. I don't know, but... The same thing was true in London, right? No tips? I don't think so. I don't recall tipping. I don't remember. Remember when it's a separate podcast that we listened to that, that all stemmed from slavery, essentially, here in America. Yeah. I had no idea, but I wish we would go to that. That's just a brilliant idea because the service was way better. The food was way better. I don't know if the food is way better because of the standards they have in France regarding produce and uh, supplies like that. But it was just different and easier and expectations weren't always, (laughs) expectations weren't played into the service. It was better. I just enjoyed it. Yeah, that's not happening anytime soon. We have really selfish employers. Plus, if we ever did go to that way, we would might trigger a recession because people that own the businesses that do the restaurants are going to have to pay more to overcompensate that hurdle to get to that point. Which would be offset by the consumers paying the rest a higher bill rather than the tip itself. It just guarantees that everybody's going to get the same amount or an expected amount. You, I don't think you'd see anything like inflation. You'd just see, see a shift in where the money comes from and eh, not comes from at all, where it goes. Some people would have to actually tip but this is a whole nother conversation. This is off of Europe. I'm sorry. So um, we didn't talk about the crepes across the street. No. Go ahead. So the crepes across the street was legit a hole in the wall. It was probably as big as our dining room. Yeah, it was tiny. And could sit maybe four or five groups of people, if that. It looked like an older gentleman and his wife still ran it from when they started it. And they made the most phenomenal crepes I've ever had. They were really good, and he talked us into dessert like it was his job, man. It just was his job, but I said I was in the mood for something sweet, and he's like, oh, something in French, I have it, and he just brought it out. You like? Oui. Oh, oui. It was so good. It had caramel and cinnamon sugar. It was thin. Crepes are good. I don't think we make them the right way here in America, but... Did you learn the phrase trebon? A little bit. I got to that point where I but I can't pronounce it right it sounds weird when I say it what does it mean uh very good yeah all right Trayvon Trayvon yeah I feel like I'm 
forcing it though. And that yeah. it just seems weird in my mouth. Yeah. We use that quite a bit or I use that quite a bit. We Trey Balm. Yeah. I do want to talk about Disneyland here, but I mean, just for a hot minute, but anything else? I think Warren. We, yeah. I mean, so yeah, I guess the other thing is, you know, it, we were on the sixth floor of an apartment building and, and just down to, you know, one of the street corners on either side was a bar yeah, and and we went and ate there one night, probably halfway through the stay, and we met Warren, who was just a French guy who spoke very good English. I don't want to describe the way he looks, but if, if I had to compare him to somebody, it would be the guy that played the Indian guy in Ah uh, Crap, now I'm drawing a blank. The It Crowd. Yes. The IT Crowd. Yes. Yes. I got to look him up now, by the way, because I I just have to know who this guy's name is. You you look him up while I talk. But okay. He. He looked like him. He did not sound like him. He spoke very good English. I think the only unfortunate side to that bar is that we didn't eat anything that was really French. All the food we ate there was very American. I think we ate there three times just because it was convenient. It was next to the apartment and it was good food. And two of those three times I had a burger. I don't remember what I had the third time, but you can use your words. Oh, Richard Aote? Or is it Iote? I don't know. That's why I was asking you to say it so I didn't butcher it. Okay. But absolutely agreed. Every time I saw him, that's all I could think. He looks Indian, but he's actually English. Right. Yeah. So Warren was our Josh in Europe. <clears throat> Who's our Josh? Josh is our local bartender that is a good friend. He knows. <laughs> he's, he, still, he's still an acquaintance. He, he knows a lot more about our lives than most of our friends. <laughs> Not most. He knows about your butt. In that I had a hamstring that was chronically tight for the first four months. Yes. He would ask you how your butt's doing yeah, <laughs> on a regular basis. <laughs> and that's what it meant. How's your chronically tight hamstring? That's where the pain was. It was also in my, my glute. But yeah, that was Warren. Just good, fun conversation with him. I can't remember a single thing we talked about. We really enjoyed his company. And then lastly, in Paris, Disneyland. So it's been a while since we've been to any Disney parks. And we went to Disneyland Paris. And this is where I know our kid's going to be a Disney adult. She's going to be Disney the rest of her life. She took one look and lost her stuff. Which then proceeded to trigger me losing my stuff. And I don't know how you kept your stuff together. But she she feels so emotionally attached and I don't know if it's emotionally attached or she triggers all of these good feelings and these good memories because we've been taking her to Disney since she was three or four. She's been going to Disney since she was three or four. Every two. Practically every year since two. Yeah, that's a good call out. Practically every year since two until she was, she was 14 the last time we went to Florida. And it was because of COVID. Yeah, COVID's the reason we hadn't gone since. So it had been two and a half years since she had been in a Disney park after going every year her entire life. And yes, I know first word world problems and boohoo. But yeah, I when we approached, what do they call it? It's not the Grand Floridian there. It's, is it? I don't oh, know. no, it's, sorry. It, it's the Disneyland Hotel. The Disneyland Hotel is the one you have to walk under in Paris to get into Disneyland. When we approached that and you could hear the music, she started crying. And then we walked through the front gate, started crying again. I mean, I don't want to go all through Disneyland. We, she wa- actually wanted us. Sorry, she actually wanted us to do a, a whole podcast just on Disneyland. Paris. Okay, so let's put a pause on it because no, I, no, there's some things we should still talk about. I rode every ride that they rode. I got sick after one. Yeah, so I mean, let's just touch on the highlights. So we did Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, which is different from all the other parks in that it starts out going underneath uh, what's essentially the the lake around Tom Sawyer's Island at the other parks onto 
you know, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is its own island then. I did Space Mountain. And Space Mountain was amazing. That was Star Wars themed and it was the magnetic launch system. It went upside down, right? Yeah, it was like rock and roller coaster meets Space Mountain here at Disney World. That's the one I got sick off of. Is it? Oh, no, no, no. Tower of Terror? It was Tower of Terror made me sick. Disneyland Paris's Space Mountain is the best Space Mountain that I've been on of the three. Yeah, I don't know what else I want to touch on. I don't want to touch on a lot of stuff because, oh, the teacups. That was the only thing that I think that was the ride that cemented a moment in my life that I don't want to ever forget. My daughter had the most authentic smile and laugh I've heard in years coming from her. We rode the teacups. I don't normally do the teacups because they spin really, really fast here in Disney World. In Disneyland Paris, I think they nerf them. We could not get it to go very fast. And it was just funny trying to pull. We were pulling so hard. And every time we pulled, she ha- her smile got bigger and wider. And the laugh got deeper in her belly. It was just so great for me. And I rode that with them because I don't normally ride teacups. But I rode that with them because I had to ride every ride they rode. It was a good experience, and that is one moment I will never forget was the smile on her face. What did you think of Haunted Mansion? Lame. Really? I hated it. Okay. We did it a couple times. It was because it was, uh, oh, the first time we wrote it, we wrote it with obnoxious little girls screaming every three seconds. And the second one was because I wanted to see it. And I think we wrote it a third time just because it was rainy and it was cold and we needed a break. Yeah, that's it rained both days that we went. In fact, the second day it was it was so cold we had to buy Allie a sweatshirt. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, I had something here. Oh, but the cool thing about them was they had like hallways behind the shops on both sides of Main Street where you could go into the shops and walk all the way from back to front of Main Street. And the people there were so polite. It was amazing. It- and you mean the guests when yes. you say people. Yeah. I didn't know that could happen. Yeah. At least in Disney World, we're so used to people being so obnoxious to each other where, you know, it's they're clearly going to stand in front of your way. They don't care because their view is more important. And the, the parade, I think, is what you're referring to, which was interesting. There were people climbing on the railing and climbing on the trash cans, which is a no-no for most Disney parks anyway. And it, it doesn't bother me. As long as you're not interfering with anybody, I don't care. But that was the catch. There were people behind them saying, excuse me, you're in my way. And it was, oh, sorry. And they'd get down and go somewhere else. That does not happen in Florida. Florida, you're probably going to have a knife fight. That's an exaggeration. but it was, it was nice. The other downside was they tried to mimic a lot of stuff that was from Disney World in Disneyland, California. Casey's Corner is a tragedy in Disneyland Paris. An absolute tragedy. I have no idea where they get those hot dogs from, or the chili, or the theming. It was not good. All right, let me touch on a few more things here with Disneyland. Disneyland is the first time we saw a drone show. (gasps) Amazing. The drone show at Disneyland Paris was amazing. And I'm sure, if not already, very soon all Disney parks are going to have that. If they don't, and I I just haven't been paying attention. It was floored me. But yeah, they were they were flying behind the castle and doing shapes and lining up in arches and the lights would go off so it would do things. And I don't even remember what those things were anymore, but it was it was great. You and Allie got to do Animator Studio again. That's how Animator Studio should be. How so? 
Okay, so I take that back. There were pros and cons. The cons were the lady was tracing a predefined sketch. They weren't drawing it by hand. She was outlining a predefined sketch, which was irritating for me. The second con is it was just all, it didn't seem like it was isolated. I like how it was isolated and dimmed down so you only focused on the animator that was drawing at that time. But it was so open that you got distracted. That was the piece that kind of threw me off a little bit. I gotcha. The way it used to be at Hollywood Studios in Florida was a closed room. And this was more like, it, here in Paris, it was more like, it was it was the uh, virtually the same room. but it was an auditorium. With, yeah, but with two of the walls gone so that people passing by could just stop and hang out, which was great for me because I could take pictures. Right. I like the pictures because it was those are moments I won't ever get again, I don't think. The cool thing was we had our own little desks like we were artists at, at Disney. We had that uh, an experience that and it felt like, I don't know, I was contributing like I was that an artist that was supposed to be there. It was neat for me. I thought it was neat. You didn't think? His studios is I don't remember anymore. Was it's it, just what? a giant table. It's like it's a like row. a yeah, it's like a, a college auditorium where you're taking a, a class, right? Where you have just a solid row in tiered amphitheater style. This was actual individual I wouldn't even call them desks. They were like, they were big, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It was neat. It was different. Again, I think the only thing that I wish they would have done differently is they didn't predefine the sketches. What does predefine the sketch mean? She had a template she put on, and then she put her drawing on top oh, of that and traced it. Yeah, I gotcha. So you wish they wouldn't have, wouldn't have done that. Excuse me. Yeah. So the ones in, in Disney World, they mm-hmm. do it by hand. So it's le- legit from muscle memory from their minds. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, the one other interesting thing about Art of Animation is I was I was capturing pictures of the session ahead of you, um, just kind of testing out the shot, making sure I had what I wanted. And the guy came, they rotated animators for your session. And the guy came off and, and he was talking to me and he was saying something in French and I, could, I couldn't understand him. But I could understand the tone enough that after he finished, I was just like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then he asked me a question. Again, I didn't understand it, but based on the tone... Uh, je parle anglais, right? I speak English. Then he starts speaking to me in English. He's like, oh, so you were capturing pictures of the thing. I'm like, yeah. So you're part of Disney paparazzi? I'm like, no. Oh, I assume because of your camera strap. My, my camera strap is a Mickey Mouse camera strap. It's like, no, no, no. I'm just here with the family. But I, I thought that was funny. He thought I worked for Disney based on what I was doing and what I looked like. Did you watch Allie at all during that? She was very serious. She was very serious. She seemed mad about being coached. I think it was because I think that's what she wants to do. And she didn't want to be coached in a non-professional setting. That's good for her to learn now, though, because if if she ever thought I could be one of the people behind the desk doing the live drawings and selling them at Disney, first of all, they're sure they don't get paid very well. Right. And they don't make money from their sales, I'm going to bet. She would have to do it the way they teach her, and there is no deviating. Oh, it wasn't that. It was the fact that I think she felt insulted that she was being coached alongside these amateurs that were... Oh, okay. And I thought you were alluding more to she's getting coached by a tracer. No, I think it was more fact that she appreciated... She appreciates the the artistry behind people that do this. She appreciates the history of it. And the people that were sitting with them 
don't and they don't get it. And then it was almost pandering. So let's let's close out Disneyland in general. Okay, because like, I could go for a yeah. Long... Let's let's sit down with Allie sometime maybe and and do this. Uh, Magic Kingdom in general, I would say was okay compared to other parks. Definitely not better than oh, definitely not better than Disneyland and not better than Magic Kingdom in Florida either. Hollywood Studios was a bust. That just wasn't worth visiting. Now I I know Avengers Campus has opened since then, and Allie was really disappointed that she didn't get the preview that she was hoping for while we were there. Uh, but from what we're seeing. It's still a bust. Really? Yeah, like there's no wait to get on the uh, the Iron Man coaster, which is mm. just rethemed rock and roller coaster. I think the only thing, and I'm going to touch on one thing, was the Buzz Lightyear comment where everything's bigger with my helmet off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the standing statue in the middle of the walkway said that as you walked past. Everything looks bigger with my helmet off. <laughs> that was funny I, this also did give me some insight into what it would look like if you opened a disney park in a state like ohio it would be like cedar point well no it'd, it'd be better than paris probably oh yeah because they'd have to compete with cedar point and king's island well i was just thinking more in terms of weather right so uh. paris doesn't get much activity during the winter time because it, it although it's not ohio cold it's still cold and the summers would be better at least it wouldn't rain every day well like, we can't say that. It just happened to rain the days we were there. It doesn't rain in Paris every day. We had a lot of good days. Yeah, I, there are things in Disneyland, California, that I wish they would have translated better over here. Like some of the, the bakeries and the interaction on Main Street are better in Disneyland, California. And then they try to mash it with some of the stuff in Disney World, like Casey's Corner and the Emporium and things like that. And I just, it just felt forced. Emporium felt normal. Oh, not for me. Hmm. Okay, but Allie knew ahead of time, because Paris is so famous for its food, that Disneyland Paris does not invest in its food. Its food was entirely average at best. At even, best. Even the one sit-down restaurant we had, that was average at best. Agreed. Anything else you want to touch on on this trip at all? No. Uh, what? No, I, I do remember. When we got back to the United States, right, so we flew from Paris to New York in a day or Paris to Newark, New Jersey. When we got back, we sat down and we had dinner in the hotel and I ordered a beer at the end of the day. And I didn't realize that I had not had a cold beer. In two oh weeks. yeah, that's right. The beer in Europe is cold, but it's not American cold. It's not ice cold. Yeah. It's like lukewarm. <laughs> no, it's not lukewarm, but it's, I mean, I would guess American beer is upper 30 degrees, maybe around 40 and probably Europe is in the 50s. That's the, speaking of flying straight to New York, I don't think I'd ever go to Iceland again. I'd do a straight flight if I want to do UK. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I would, yeah. I think we're done flying Iceland air unless we're actually stopping in Iceland. It's a hot mess. What do you mean? It took forever to check in coming back. Oh, going through customs? Yeah. Yeah. But... Not even customs. Waiting in line to actually get our tickets? It took two and a half hours. Oh, that wasn't Iceland Air's fault. That was Charles de Gaulle's fault, which sounds like an insult on Charles de Gaulle. But no, it's the airport's fault. There were strikes at the airport. That's why service was slow. Oh. Service was slow everywhere. Oh, I didn't know that. Compared to some other airlines, Iceland Air was doing pretty good. Yeah, that had nothing to do with Iceland Air. I don't know. I've had not so awesome interaction with Iceland Air. Allie loved it. I thought they were fine. I thought they were good. But I just, I don't want to do it again. I don't want the breakup. I don't want that layover. 
the thing we talked about doing is flying first class one flight from the United States to Europe and flying first class red eye so that we can sleep well. Essentially, you consider here how much is the upgrade and then how much do you compare that upgrade to paying for a hotel? Because if you can get a good night's sleep on the flight rather than trying to squirm and, and force your way in coach, it could be worth the price. But then flying coach home because with coach, you're not doing the red eye. Right. Yeah, I think that's it for Europe. Yeah, I agree. All right. It's time for the final sip. And tonight's question is, I'll never forget about the day, dot, dot, dot. And the the <gasps> idea is you're supposed to insert the day, a day you'll never forget. Because this is kind of topical, uh, today is September 16th. We just passed September 11th five days ago. And I mean, it's not a big anniversary. This year was the 21st anniversary. But still want to sit down and, and talk about that day what our experiences were. So I'll open this up and then I'll defer to you. You can take it and run with it and I'll come back. But I do remember waking up. We were staying at your house at the time that you were staying with, with the boys called the Big Red in Bowling Green, sleeping in your little tiny closet bedroom on a twin bed. But I'm not going to sugarcoat this. We were, we'd been dating for eight months and I spent the night there. And I do remember waking up and thinking, you know, the week before at Toledo, George Bush had visited. He was on campus Again, this is President George Bush. Because of that, we got the day off. They just canceled classes for the day. But I remember thinking, oh, that that day was so awesome. I wish we didn't have classes today. And from there, I left the house and I went home to my parents so I could get cleaned up and get ready for the day. So what was your experience? So again, we were at the Big Red, but I had to work at Poly Eyes that morning. And that's when you left, I went to work. At that time, I was an assistant manager, and I prepped the kitchen for the day for work. And I was downstairs, and the manager was upstairs, and he yells down. I remember specifically, again, to your point, is it was like any other day. I just go do my job. I'm downstairs getting things done. And he yells down the stairs, and he's like, you need to come up here. I'm like, dude, it's just the two of us. I don't know what you want. I'm busy. I'm in the middle of doing stuff. Give me five minutes. He's like, no, do it now. I'm like, okay, fine. I get upstairs and we have that that old school. This is before we had big big screens and casting and everything. So you had a projector and you had a drop screen on the one wall. And I see the buildings and I see them on fire. I'm like, dude, what movie are you watching this early in the morning? He's like, it's not a movie. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, but I'm like you dude i'm going back downstairs he's like no just stay here and he was in tears and i'm like what is going on it's zach so i don't know if you remember zach do you vaguely he's a big dude burly and he's crying and i'm like we finally sat down and i started reading the 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 subtitles and just pausing and being like is this legit can this be actually happening i couldn't process it because it was just the two of us in our in the in the entire he's like just go home and all i could think was what am i going to do at home (laughs) everything had closed down there were no classes there was nothing that day everybody was locked down i had no family i just had the boys and we all sat in that front living room and watched that really tv we had right do you remember it It had the knobs on the side (laughs) not not specifically but i buy it all i can remember is this isn't real can I just wake up? This is not real. This has got to be a movie. And it wasn't. And I feel bad because that's what I go back to every time this day comes around is 
I'm never going to forget those moments of seeing these grown men that I always thought were strong and, and unbreakable and them not knowing what to do, crying at a loss of words as it, everything unfold. Mm. Like who? <laughs> so I saw Naked Steve cry for the first time. Oh, I gotcha. So nah, uh, not grown men. But college it, kids are not grown men. I know, but these were these were guys that I relied on for all of my emotional support and all of my foundation. And them not knowing how to make me feel better for once mm. was weird. Was just weird. So I remember I I went home to my parents. I know I got I got cleaned up for class. I I think my first class was eleven a.m. Didn't turn on the TV, didn't do anything. I don't know what I did, but I got, I got ready for the day. I, I left for class. It was probably 10, 15 when I left. And after 10 or 15 minutes on the way into school, I finally catch the DJs of the radio station talking about what's going on. I'm like, no, they're full of it. This is weird. So I called Chris, who's no longer with us, um, because he worked at a car dealership at the time. And I said, hey, I'm, this is what I'm hearing. What's going on? He's like, oh, yeah, we're all just sitting around watching the TV, right? Because they're in the car dealership and they have the waiting area with the TV and clearly not selling any cars for the day, I presume. But he's like, he affirms it. Yeah, here's what's going on. Some planes crashed in the building. And still, it sounds kind of weird and suspicious. Um, so I go on in. I get to campus. I go to my 11 a.m. class. And near the end of the 11 a.m. class, they announce, hey, classes are canceled for the day, which makes sense which leads me later to feeling guilty for earlier in the morning, wishing that there had not been class that day in a, in a weird way, not, not directly, but indirect guilt. I know I went home for the day. I know dad was home for the day. It must've been one of his days off, but watching it and talking about it with him, I think I had to work for the, that day because the memory I still have in my mind is being at Meyer, where I was working at the time. And the employees starting to call out how expensive the gas prices were getting for the day. Gas shot up. I mean, it it shot up to five dollars a gallon that night. From at the time, it would have been probably what a buck fifty, maybe yeah. close to two dollars. I I think it was buck fifty. Yeah, and it it shot up to five dollars a gallon that night, which was unheard of at the time. Clearly, in the last year, that would have been normal for a brief period of time. I know after work, I I drove to your house. You're the big red. I was like, "There's no way we're staying in town. You're coming with me. We're going out to my parents." And we did spend the night at my parents. Yeah, but that was that was my memory. Calling Chris, going to class, classes were canceled. And I, I hate that we do this every year, but we tell the kids every year, this is how I remember it. This is what I experienced. But I hope they appreciate it later that we can remember and, and ground them that this was actually real. It's not just in the history books. Mm -hmm. It legit happened. And here's what we experienced. Nowhere in our lives... Is there an experience similar other than how quickly COVID set in, which we touched on in the last episode? Right. And then the other thing is I do remember the next morning waking up. And it's funny because everybody talks about it now across the entire country. I took you back to your house and within hours of the planes crashing into the buildings, they had every flight in the country grounded, if not the world, I don't know, but definitely in the country. I think it was the world. It, yeah. it was silent across everything. Yeah, every flight in the country was grounded, and it stayed that way for a week. But I, I drove you back to your house the next morning on September 12th. I dropped you off. As I was driving back to my parents' house, 
I happened to look into the sky and it was the clearest sky I have maybe ever seen to this date, right? Not a cloud in the sky, not a contrail in the sky, Mm. just empty. So the days after were awkward because I think we canceled classes. It was like a Tuesday or Wednesday this, this happened, right? It was a Tuesday. And I think the rest of the week was canceled in classes. It wasn't for me. I think Bowling Green was because of the airport. I don't know. It, 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 to me, I remember those classes all being canceled for the rest of the week. It might have been. Everybody handled it differently. And I, it, Toledo might have been the next day. I was, it was my last semester in college, so I was on a Tuesday, Thursday only. Wednesday, I didn't have class. So I just remember hanging out with the boys, and we. I think we just stayed. It was just our... I hate using this as a word, but it was our pod. It was Rob and AJ and Scotty, Chewy, myself. It was, um, oh my God, I'm missing the guy that didn't. Justin? Justin. Hmm. And who's the Nick? We drew on his face a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he, what, didn't he become a priest or a pastor or something? I pastor. Think, I think so. <laughs> That's what we heard. Was it Nick? Was that his face? No, it doesn't seem like the right name. Wasn't, yeah. It was Nick. Maybe. I don't know. Either way, it was just me and the boys. And it was, I hate to say it, but it was probably some of the best times I had because we were having honest conversations when we were young. We were having all of these life crisis conversations. It changed everything for me. And it was my birthday that weekend, and we were going to throw a party. We didn't end up throwing a party. We just played in the kitchen, card games in the kitchen. Yeah, that was your 21st. I was there. I don't remember. Uh, we had a small party, but it wasn't that big. We were planning a huge blowout, and it just didn't happen because everybody's home. It was just weird. Yeah, because that would have been a Friday. Perfect. I remember the morning after. Do you remember the morning after? <laughs> oh, you were here. The morning after your 21st birthday, you said, I could really use a McDonald's milkshake. So don't ever do that again. Don't ever drink a milkshake after like a binge drink night because everyone that knows will, that. No, that will never end good. I don't even remember how we decided we were going to Woodville to get I the milkshake. I don't know either. I don't know where we must have spent the night at my parents. That wouldn't make any sense though. No. Anyway, you decided you needed a vanilla milkshake. We drove to Woodville. You had a couple sips and we had to pull over in a neighborhood near my grandmother's house so you could vomit out the car door (laughs) the little kid (laughs) is she getting is she throwing up mom (laughs) that's all i could see was this little kid pointing at me is she throwing up mom yes yes i am and don't do this (laughs) it's the worst you're the worst (laughs) who's the worst you (laughs) you're the one that brought up no i I mentioned it was your birthday you said it was your birthday i said it was your 21st we're both at fault Mm, okay that's the other aspect of September 11th. It, it, My birthday kind of feels tainted for me lately. It always makes me think of September 11th. Everybody assumes when you say September 14th, it's, oh, September 11th. Yeah, your ex-brother-in-law Joe feels nothing. His birthday is September 11th. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I do know that. <laughs> okay. All right. Good conversation. Till next time. Remember, size matters. Nobody likes a small glass of wine.